This is a shred fest, motherfucker, in case you guys haven't recognized. That's right. Shred that motherfucker. Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously. So, just don't. Today's show is about a man who was raised in the oil fields of the United States, achieved athletic success in his younger days, and went on to obtain his Ph.D. in clinical psychology and efforts to help people with their issues. But tales of lies, manipulation, and exploitation have tarnished the reputation of a man that was once highly thought of in his field. This sounds like it could be the monologue of a daytime TV show, maybe one perhaps of today's show subject. Daytime TV has a couple different target audiences. Those who want to see some drama-filled civil lawsuits settled by made-for-TV judges, my personal favorites, the baby mama drama shows like Maury Povich, you've got the soap opera crowd, and then you have the real money makers for the networks, talk shows that discuss people's issues, relationship advice, and do their best to turn around people in bad situations. Enter our courtroom subject today, Dr. Phil. Dr. Philip McGraw came on the scene over 20 years ago with the help of the untouchable daytime fairy godmother, Oprah Winfrey. It seems as though Phil's show had a lot of good intentions when it started, but what the subjects on the show have uncovered over the years makes Jerry Springer in his prime look like Mr. Rogers. But are Phil's true intentions still good? Is he really trying to help people get out of the deepest, darkest times of their lives? Or does he take these folks, prance them around on stage, jack up his ratings, go backstage, take a dump on his gold-plated toilet, and laugh all the way to the bank? Get on your comfy PJs and make yourself a nice manipulation sandwich and enjoy the Dr. Phil episode of Asshole Court. All right, we want to give a shout out to AHC listener Caroline G, aka Bitchaline underscore Stitches. Oh, what up, nice. G? Yeah. I like the name. She gave us the show idea for Dr. Phil through Instagram. So big ups, Caroline. Thank you, Caroline. We appreciate it. Absolutely. You rule, and thanks for the great show idea. As always, if there's a show subject you want to hear about, let us know on any of our social media platforms or on Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, we had a number of new listeners join the ranks of the cool kids and get access to the all-new Conspiracy Court shows. You guys fucking rock. Thank you. So 100%. Big, that's right. So big thanks to Thesis72, Christina H., Mrs. Megan, Ryan B., Justin S., a.k.a. B. Beard. B. Beard! Carly C., Jeff H., Pat S., and Karen B., who wanted to make sure that we knew that she is far from a Karen and can't stand the fact that a name that was chosen for her 40 years ago has become what it is today. Sorry, Karen, but just by listening to our show, let's us and our listeners know you're cool, man. Yeah. She sounds a little bit more like a Karenator, more so than a Karen, oh, if she's listening to our show. So. That's right. I like that. Yeah, we're going to call true. you the Karenator from now on. I like that. There's cool chads out there. There's cool Karens, everybody. Just remember that. That's right. Yeah. And don't forget about my boy, a big D. <laughs> big D, what's yeah, up? What's up, man? He served me up lately. No, <laughs> well, you got a million dollars over there, Mikey? No, no. It was much cheaper, actually. <laughs> it just was very charismatic. <laughs> All right, boys. So let's get some pre-show scores for Dr. Phil. Mikey, what you got? Okay. Um, I don't like Dr. Phil at all. I do, there's a, a vague sense... 
that he is a fraud. I don't know a lot about him that I can really like stick a pin on him with, but I do know that he comes from, um, you know, the background of all the doctors of uh, doom uh, that uh, Oprah has introduced to the world. Dr. Oz <laughs> being one of those. Doctors exactly. Um, <laughs> he looks like a penis for real, like a penis with a mustache. <laughs> Um, he obviously exploits people uh, for gain, and so I'm going to start him off with a six. 6.0. I can't believe you said I look like a penis, Mike. Total penis. <laughs> Total penis. If the uh, the horseshoe hair went all the way around, that would be the head of the penis. <laughs> but it's, you know, like a bad, it's like a, a bad circumcision job <laughs> on your big dumbass head. Buddy, what do you think about me? Well, I'm going to have to uh, side with Mikey over here as well. You know, um, I know Randy here likes that afternoon TV, or actually I think that's a little bit more mid-morning TV, it's early er- afternoon. early afternoon, yeah, the trashy TV. Yeah. yeah. The Maury Povich is the world. Trash TV starts at 9 a.m., let's be honest. Yeah, I remember Jerry Springer being on early in the morning, it felt like, but then again in the afternoon as well. You know, so. one thing that's kind of bothered me is I saw a, a commercial for Steve Harvey now has a judge show. How the fuck is that guy a judge? Man. Look, I mean, I like Steve Harvey and all, but I like, don't. give me I a don't. break. Like, I hate his suits. Point, I hate his, I hate his oh, fucking. He's a well-dressed man. Oh, no, no, no. A well-dressed man if you live in clown town. <laughs> <laughs> his fucking suits are ridiculous. <laughs> See, I like Steve Harvey, but not the family feud version of Steve Harvey. Like so that. Which version do you like of Steve Harvey? Every other version except for family feud version. I, of I, they're Steve all Harvey. the same. I don't mind the, the family. Feud. He's a decent host. Yeah. Ray Cone is the king. Ray. Ray Ray Combs is the king. Is it Combs or Combs? C O M B S. Yeah, Ray Combs. Really? The one yeah. that hung himself. Hung himself in the hotel room. R.I.P. Uh, my boy. Ray. And then and, and then it just bounced around for a while. Like yeah. well, Richard Dawson. Richard I think. Dawson. Richard was on Dawson. There. Yeah. Yep. Then you had Ray Combs, who was the one we all kind of grew up with. Well, yeah. And then you had Louis Anderson, who was a total yeah. flop. Okay, that was the worst one of all. No, the worst one was Richard Karn. Yes. No, 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 no. Richard Karn was bad, but the the very first one from the 70s that kissed everyone oh, on the yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Richard Dawson. Oh, yeah. So he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just mouth kiss the dude's wife, wife. in front of him, man. Yeah. No, it was so Seinfeld reference of the day when uh, in the episode where they put everybody's picture down in the lobby and they would say hello, all the women started kissing hello. And Jerry would walk in his building and get just inundated with people saying hello and kissing him. He goes up to his apartment Kramer's like, hey, what do you think about the pictures downstairs? He's like, I feel like Richard Dawson down there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson. <laughs> Imagine Richard Dawson nowadays. Oh, not canceled. Even just, not even just canceled. Just like COVID. His, yeah. COVID kisses. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that guy. Anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, buddy. Go ahead. Oh, we're all good. So, yeah, no, I, I've never been a big fan of the daytime television series. Uh, I don't like it when we're exploiting other people's uh, what's going on in their lives just for entertainment values. And a lot of that's a lot of that's staged, man. I, I just don't like it. You know, like, what do you mean? I'm not the daddy. You know, like um, uh, I'm good with a lot of that stuff. So I don't really have too much of a frame of reference. Uh, I've got a story here or there, but I'm going to rate him off the rip a six point three. Okay. And um, yeah, we'll see where he ends up at the by the end of the show. But I think he's going to tick up a couple notches for me. So. All right. So we've talked before about the people that just have a very slappable face, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Phil has one of those. Yeah. You guys know I love trashy daytime TV, but I just cannot get behind his show. Obviously, it's not really geared toward dudes like me. But before I wrote the show, I wasn't a huge fan to begin with, just kind of in general. Sure. But uh, we'll learn a whole lot more about this dude throughout the show. But to start him off, I'm going to give him a 6.0. All right. With a 6.0 from Mikey, a 6.3 from Buddy, and a 6.0 from Randy, Dr. Phil's pre-show asshole score is a 6.1. 6.1. He lines up directly with Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, and Kanye West. Okay. I pre-show. I think Mike Lindell's a pretty good parallel. I mean, I don't think Dr. Phil's smoking any crack. My pillow. I also don't My see bar. Do- Dr. I mean, I don't see Dr. Phil trying to overthrow a democracy either. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, Michael. Yeah, I would, you know, if I was running for president. <laughs> you guys ready to put this thing to bed? Let's do it. Well, let's talk about it. Philip Calvin McGraw was born September 1st, 1950 in Venita, Oklahoma, to father Joseph J. McGraw Jr. and mother Jerry. He has two older sisters, Deanna and Donna, 
and a younger sister, Brenda. So, four kids in the house, and he's the only boy. I just have to wonder how many times Dr. Phil had his fingernails painted and makeup put on him, making him a young Dr. Phyllis. That's it. <laughs> That's why I have such an effeminate Southern voice. I got to put a new light bulb into the... <laughs> that is a real thing, though. There's some uh, older, like, uh, boomer Southern we dudes. A, we, that, yeah. we had a principal. That's we right. Had our oh, high school yeah, principal. That's right. Michael. Had that, had that, Michael, Michael, come see me hey, in my yeah. office. Michael. I got to hang up some light bulbs. <laughs> yeah, dude. And also, I hate his fucking name, Phyllis. McGraw. I mean, what does his dad think? He's a cowboy, dude. Quick uh, you know. draw McGraw. That's right. You can't help your last name, I guess. It would have been worse if he had, like made that name up, I suppose. But he didn't. As you may know, North Texas and Southern Oklahoma have a lot of oil fields. Philip McGraw. And Phil's dad worked as an equipment supplier to the oil companies. Phil began working at a young age, holding jobs at A&W Root Beer Stand and a local pizza joint named Pizza Planet in Oklahoma City. Wait, seriously? Hang on. Pizza Planet? It was at Pizza Planet that he met another young man by the name of John Schnatter. Oh! No! Hold on. Okay. And the pair would go on to form one of the biggest... Wait, wait. Wrong show. My bad. Oh, okay. okay shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and, and Pizza Planet is the name of the uh, pizza joint in Toy Story. And I was like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, That's like right. it's all okay. coming full circle. Phil's dad's longstanding dream was to pursue a career in psychology. So at around age 14, Papa Jerry picked up the family and moved them to Overland Park, Kansas. And this is where my life and Dr. Phil's life find some parallel. Huh. Phil was a big boy, standing at six foot four, and played linebacker for Shawnee Mission North High School. And apparently, he was pretty good. Oh. I too played linebacker in high school, and just like Al Bundy and Doug Heffernan, I relive my high school football glory days in my head on almost a daily basis. Understandable. Do you have four touchdown passes in one game? I played defense. Yes. <laughs> I you did have players. one touchdown, though. I did. Yeah, I remember. Reception return. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Very solid. Nice. Phil was a good enough high school football player to earn a scholarship to play at the University of Tulsa. At okay. Tulsa, he played under Coach Glenn Dobbs, and in an interview, he spoke of memories running the stands at Skelly Stadium at 5 a.m. in full gear. He said, I've been in every seat. I've been on every row of that stadium a hundred times, let me tell you for sure. McGraw's team made history that same year when they lost to the University of Houston 100-6. to six. Oh, I bet he remembers every point, for real, every <laughs> single point. I sat there and took every point right to my chrome dome. It was one of the most lopsided games in college football history. Yeah, it's like Cumberland State and Georgia Tech. That's right, 2-12 to 0. Yeah, some oh, shit yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, That was like 1912, though, you know? <laughs> But from a girl, like three guys that died in that game. (laughs) Did they even wear helmets back then? Leather helmets. Leather helmets. But from McGraw, it was only good memories, including that of his father, who also played at Tulsa University. He said, I got my dad and my two boys, and we came for a homecoming game up here, and we went to the stadium and stuff, McGraw said. Same stadium he ran in 20 to 25 years before I did, so it felt good. McGraw says that was one of the last trips he took with his father before he died. Okay. And that's a pretty cool trip to take with your dad, Isn't too. It, you yeah. know what I mean? Like You guys both played at the same school and yeah. ran the same steps. and yeah. Yeah, You're making of... me not hate him as much, uh, so let's move on to the part where I hate him. Yeah, we're, we're humanizing yeah. Dr. Phil, <laughs> and I don't feel good about this. This is a shred fest, motherfucker, <laughs> in case you guys haven't recognized. That's right. Shred that motherfucker! McGraw married... Oh, here we go. So okay. McGraw married his first <laughs> wife, an ex-cheerleader and homecoming queen named Debbie Higgins McCall... In 1970, when he was 20 years old. Okay. McGraw and McCall? McGraw and McCall. Well, it was Debbie, and they were near Dallas, and I was trying to find a joke to implant for a Debbie Does Dallas line, but that's as far as I got. Oh, man. That would have been a good one. Debbie Does Houston, maybe. Debbie Does Tulsa. Yeah. 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 According to her. For meth. She does Houston because they Tulsa lost, so you know oh, yeah. Yeah. Phil had to pick up the pieces. Yeah, afterwards. she gets boned by the number of dudes at the points they scored. <laughs> <laughs> Becomes yeah. For every point they score, yeah. for every dick you suck. Oh wow. <laughs> Gotta fill up the stands, remember? <laughs> I ran the, I ran those stands. <laughs> every single seat, I remember it. Every dick, every two balls, two hundred balls, hundred dicks. All right, sorry. According to her, McGraw was domineering, and she claimed that she was confined to domestic duties, which included lifting weights 
to improve her figure. God. (laughs) He got way ahead of that. Man. He's like, pretty soon there's going to be this thing called Instagram. And I want you to go ahead and do squats and take videos of yourself so I can post it and tell everybody that I'm fucking you. I got you this Richard Simmons video and I really want you to really take it to heart. I want you to tighten up your buttocks. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I need to have happen here. The marriage wound up being annulled in 1973 and McCall also claimed that infidelity had played a part in the ending of their marriage. Ooh. But Phil was still on the hunt. And in the middle of his annulment, McGraw met and began dating Robin Joe Jameson, who he married in 1976. Something tells me he began that before the annulment. Oh, you think? Maybe that was the whole... Well, infidelity was one of the things. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's how it always works out. I was playing the field. Yeah, hey, so we're getting divorced. Oh, by the way, I'm also getting married again. <laughs> Just met her. Fell in love immediately. I mean, we, we've had like three dates and we're already getting married. That's it. This is the same wife you see on his TV show today. Oh, okay. Him and Robin Joe. Robin Joe. He finishes the show and she walks off the stage with him hand in hand after every broadcast. Lame. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's lame as fuck. That's so fucking lame. It's a husband and wife power couple. You yeah. know? Hey, do we get it? It's like, remember when Al Gore in 2000 was running for president and he had to like escape Bill Clinton being a total perv. So he French kissed his wife so hard that like it he made lost me want to uh, He lost the election. He would have lost no matter what. But that French kiss, I was like, I get it, dude. You love your wife. You know what I'm saying? And we also know how Mikey feels about open mouth kisses and PDAs. Just so. general PDAs. Gross. Yeah. Every single show too. jammed her hand down her pants or something, that would have been <laughs> Coup de Gras. <laughs> a coup de... What's his name? McGraw? Coup de McGraw. <laughs> there you go. Coup de McGraw. Coup de McGraw. I'm telling you, there's no reason to like bring your wife out there and hold her hand and walk off stage every day. But he does. Yeah. So after a couple years at Tulsa, Phil decided to take his talents to Wichita Falls, Texas, and enrolled at Midwestern State University. McGraw graduated in 1975 with a BA in psychology. Just like daddy wanted to do. That's right. His dad wanted to be the psychologist. And you'll see how that plays out here. He then decided to pursue his graduate degree at the University of North Texas, where he went on to earn an MA in experimental psychology in 1976 and a PhD degree in clinical psychology in 1979. Okay. His PhD dissertation was titled Rheumatoid Arthritis, a Physical Intervention. He did a year of postdoctoral training in a forensic psychology at the Wilmington Institute. The Wilmington Institute is a network of life coaches, mentors, and experts who provide education, training, and professional services to those in need. And I'm going to be honest, dude. If I could do a show on a job as Asshole Court, it would be life coaches. Oh. Suck a dick. <laughs> Straight up, dude. Life coaches can fuck and off. usually their lives are fucked yes, up. Yes, they always yeah. are. I literally had an interview the other day with someone who had a resume or whatever, like totally fucked resume. And then they were told that had in their credentials, it said certified life coach. And I was like immediately threw it in the trash can. <laughs> so again, from the beginning, Dr. Phil had high aspirations of truly helping people. McGraw's PhD advisor was Frank Lawless, who later became famous in Western movies as a black hat wearing outlaw who stormed into town looking for trouble. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I was like, that's a pretty fucking solid name for that job. Yeah. He actually became the primary contributing psychologist for the Dr. Phil television show. But I figured with a last name like Lawless, (laughs) that's what I would want. I was was like, wait, was that the dude from Blazing Saddles? (laughs) Because I couldn't remember (laughs) exactly. My last name was Lawless. I would want to be a black hat wearing cowboy. (laughs) Not be just blasting Lucy Lawless from (laughs) Xena, Princess Princess Warrior. Xenu, Princess Warrior. Yeah, that's it. Same thing. Except she's not in the dude. So, you know. Is she not? I don't think so. Uh, hmm. I'm about to get sl- <laughs> get hit up for some slanders. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So again, from the beginning, Dr. Phil had high aspirations of truly helping people. Yeah. I mean, like how much college did he go through at this point? I mean, it seems like almost Eight like years. he got a PhD, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he was really trying to crush it. Phil's dad had realized his dream of becoming a psychologist. And when Phil got his PhD, he moved back to Wichita Falls, Texas to join his dad in the business. Around 1983, McGraw and his father joined Thelma Box, a successful Texas businesswoman who presented Pathways seminars. They were quoted as experience-based training, which allows individuals to achieve and create their own results. Critics claim that many of the phrases and the terminology used by McGraw on the Oprah and Dr. Phil shows were coined by Box and presented by McGraw in this seminar. McGraw admits that some of the material from Life Strategies, his first bestseller, is taken from the Pathway Seminar. Uh, uh. 
So we learned everything in the seminar. and from then, Thelma Box. Yep. Yeah. yep. Mrs. Box. He said, this is cut and paste back from the 70s. And now we start to see the true colors of Dr. Phil. Just a couple years later, around 1991, Phil decided he had had enough of the Pathways journey and signed an agreement for the sale of his seminar stock for 325000 without notifying either his father or Box of the impending sale. Oh, okay. Okay. In January 1989, the Texas State Board of Examiners of Psychologists reprimanded Philip McGraw, Ph.D., for having an inappropriate dual relationship with a patient. Oh, wait, is this when he's still married to his wife that he, like, hoists up at the end of oh, every yeah. show? and Robin, tells everyone, that's right. Rob, what's her name, Robin Bob? Robin Joe. Robin, Robin Joe. Joe. Robbie Joe. Joe. Robbie Joe, yeah. Yeah. The board concluded that McGraw had hired a former patient that had a probable cause existed with regard to possible failure to provide proper separation between termination of therapy and the initiation of employment. McGraw was required to undergo a psychological evaluation, complete a course in professional ethics, and have his practice monitored for a year. Hold on, wait a minute. This motherfucker got ethics training way back in like 89... Oh, it was real, yeah. If you're and that, still and still went on with his show. Yeah, what the fuck? Course, yeah. Absolutely, that's a formality, bro. Yeah. yeah. McGraw was required to undergo a psychological evaluation, completed a year in professional ethics, and have his practice monitored for a year. His complaint file was closed in June 1990 after the board determined that he had satisfactorily complied with the order. Doctor Phil admits that he gave her a job, but denies ever touching her inappropriately. Uh, so pretty much, he hired. One of the people that he gave advice to. It almost sounds like he wanted to hook up with her, and he was like, "Hey, oh, uh, he did. I'll, I'll get he you. A, I'll he... get you a job. Uh, yeah. you know, for a little bit of Monica Lewinsky. You see my haircut? It's like my penis. It wraps all around <laughs> with that mold. He said it looks the same now. If you could just sort of like slip that horseshoe hair down." I don't know, towards the end of the shaft. That's my pubes. Yeah. Hey, but the rest of it is like that. <laughs> We've been asked by our fans, guys, we want more. And just like a genie in a bottle, your wish is our command. Our Patreon page is now live. Find us on Patreon at AHC Podcast to get access to our all-new Conspiracy Court episodes. Get a shout-out on one of our Asshole Court episodes, voting power on future episodes, stickers, swag, and a whole lot more. Go to patreon.com and search for AHC Podcast to get your fix today. And now, back to your regularly scheduled shenanigans. Just before he bailed on his dad and business partner in 1990, McGraw co-founded Courtroom Sciences, Inc., CSI, with lawyer Gary Dobbs. CSI is a trial consulting firm which provides services in U.S. litigation psychology, jury selection, trial consultation, witness training and depositions. CSI advised top trial lawyers, even major airlines of the world, and dozens of Fortune 500 companies. So these are like the people that are advising Johnny Cochran back in the 90s. That's right. And stuff like that. There's the whole field of people that do this shit. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah. consulting for, especially in the medical industry, is like a very, it's a lucrative business. It yeah, really yeah. is. And, Absolutely. And they kind of displayed that in the People versus OJ on the, the FX series. And they, you know, kind of did that. They had jury simulations, you know, with, you know, the lawyers and stuff like that to see who fit well and who didn't and yeah. who tested well and stuff like that. And that's just. Well, I mean, it's really not that bad if you think about it. You do need, like, you need experts to look at your case. And you want to go ahead and cross-reference things and see what, uh, you know, the potential is for uh, people to bring, That's you right. know, yeah, other stuff. Absolutely. Cons like, consulting in the medical industry is no different than it is in any other industry. You want experts to come in. You pay them for their expertise to tell you what you're looking at. This, this one isn't that big of a deal to me. Okay. The TV show Bull is based on McGraw's experience as a trial consultant, and he is credited as one of the creators of the series. This would also be the turning point for Dr. Phil that will put him on our TVs for the next 20 years. Okay. I don't remember Bull. I remember Bull. Do you? Yeah. The only Bull I remember was from uh, Night Court. Yeah, Night Court. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he was the best part Richard of that Mole. show. <laughs> I think they have a new show now on like Paramount or something like that that's like based on a young Bull from Night Court. Have you, oh, no. I really? I have his, all I saw was a picture and I sort of pieced that together. <laughs> I could totally be just making this up in my head, but I don't know. You see, in April 1996, on the Oprah Winfrey Show, she aired a segment on food safety. 
The segment included discussion about how mad cow disease, which had recently killed cattle in London. Howard Lyman, a vegetarian and animal rights activist, predicated on the show that the disease would eventually plague the U.S. beef industry. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember it was like, am I going to eat a hamburger and like go fucking crazy? Like, yeah, because yeah, honestly, side note here, like mad cow disease is a terrifying disease. <laughs> yeah. It's not even a virus. It's not even a bacteria. It's something called, I think it's prions. And it is uh, proteins that fold in on themselves. There is literally no cure. There's another one that happened called Kuru, which happened down in uh, Papua New Guinea. And it was from people that were cannibals at the time because it was an equivalent thing where it's like prions in the brain of someone that they're eating. And it's, uh, yeah, you can't cure it. As soon as you get it, it's just like lights out. So I remember that hitting back in the 90s and like there being a big scare about that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's either it prions like, or prions. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm sure someone will correct us. It was like, I remember like thinking that like I would have to stop, drop and roll a lot more. That mad cow disease was going to be a big thing. You know, I never stopped eating beef, though. <laughs> yeah. And I, I still was did. like, they're still like, how don't. do you want your steak? Yeah. I was like, medium rare. That's right. But, you know, we're going to take that risk. My like teenage brain was like, if any of the restaurants are going to have it. It's going to be Wendy's. So I just stayed the fuck away from Wendy's. <laughs> Winfrey declared that the discussion has just stopped me cold from eating another burger. I'm stopped. And as we all know, when Oprah says something, people listen. Yeah, they do. Especially when people listening are the predominant ones who go to the grocery stores to buy food for their Very family. True. Mm-hmm. The segment, which also included a clip from a beef industry expert, was widely viewed as having contributed to a drop in cattle prices. Members of the cattle industry were furious, and as one of the biggest cheerleaders, U.S. Energy Secretary Rick Perry, who is then a Texas Agricultural mm. Commissioner. Yeah, and actually what's funny about Rick Perry is he got a C. No, I'm sorry, I think it was a, a, a it's D. It's Katy Perry's and, dad, right? Yeah, no, it's not. It's not <laughs> but he was, so he was the governor of Texas, obviously, yep. at some point. And he actually, they when he was running for president in 08, I believe, they put out his college transcripts, and he got a D in meats. <laughs> <laughs> not even joking. I didn't even get a D in meats in my college yeah, transcripts. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know now. I'm gonna someone, fucking, I'm someone a fucking cross e- check me here, but I'm pretty look, sure that's correct. Look, I'm a fucking <laughs> e- economics major, and yeah. I never got a D. D's don't count. No, yeah, it's true. no that, that, not that, at all. Actually, actually, everybody, let's pause for it. I want to make sure I'm correct on this. I don't want to disparage him. I know that his uh, his grades were awful, and I'm 99 percent sure one of them was in meats. But let me hold, please. All right. Oh my god, it is true. Yep. Yeah, it's a 100 percent fact. Rick Perry got a D in a class called meats. Yeah, from Mike.com, future energy secretary Rick Perry got a D in a college class called Meats. Yes. So also what's terrifying about that is that he ended up being the uh, secretary of, of energy. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker <laughs> ran for president. Yeah. He yeah. ran for president and he lost, which is like, okay, cool. No, no harm yeah, done. No harm. Exactly. No you were the governor of Texas. Not all that surprising considering what we've got now. But then... But then you've bombed out at that point with meats, which is what your expertise is supposed to be then. And then they're like, let's just put you in as the secretary of energy. The guy who actually has the count on all the nuclear weapons in America. Just <laughs> what could possibly want to put that out there. C's get degrees, motherfucker. What D's apparently do too. <laughs> they're not supposed to. But yeah, there you go. Hey, Within, this is the people running your country. That's right. Within days, Perry wrote a letter to Texas Energy General Dan Morales urging the state to take legal action against Lyman under a Texas law that was less than a year old. Throughout the 1990s, about a dozen states adopted veggie libel laws that made a person liable for making false statements about the safety of food. The Texas legislature passed such a law in 1995. He said, the economic livelihood of our beef producers is at stake, and I trust agriculture can count on the attorney general's office to enforce the laws of the state of Texas, Perry said at the time. Yep. While Morales publicly criticized the statements made on Winfrey's show as baloney, he said Texas couldn't pursue legal action under the law. Members of the Texas cattle industry soon stepped in and filed a lawsuit against Winfrey and others, alleging more than $10 million in damages. Charles Babcock, Winfrey's lawyer for the case, at first thought the suit could be handled fairly quickly. But it soon became clear that the plaintiffs were dug in and Winfrey who had defended her 1996 episode as fair, would never agree to settle. 
18 months later, we were preparing for a trial, Babcock said. As part of Winfrey's legal team, Babcock tapped a legal consultant for the case he had used before, Dr. Phil McGraw. Oh, snaps. I didn't really remember much about the whole deal, but because I was like 16 years old and not really into Oprah, there was one thing that I read that definitely made me laugh. They said the people in Amarillo were wearing shirts in the trial that read, The only mad cow in Texas is Oprah. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck does Dr. Phil have to do with mad cow disease? In CSI. An they were the uh, jury I know. consultants. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't just him. It was his company that was coming in there. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. And to no shock to anyone, Oprah and her team won the trial and she didn't have to pay shit. Yeah, see, that's where it gets nasty. When you get to that point of that with like, it's like when, this is what it's like when worlds collide. <laughs> the amount of money that goes into each side, it really comes down to who has more money and better experts. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you sit there and listen to it. And uh, even like back in the 50s and 60s, that was happening with the uh, the founder, the movie with Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, him and the McDonald's boys had a ironclad agreement. And he was like, yeah, I just have way more fucking money than you guys. And I'm going to bury you guys in litigation. Mm-hmm. So you can either take the payout right now. Yep. Or I'm going to fucking bankrupt you guys. Yeah. What do you want? A lot of people and have gotten buried under that because they're like, no, no, no. I'm going to make a stand. The judicial system is going to do the right thing. And at the end of the day, it really tries to. But all you have to do is just it's it's a it's a war of attrition. That's Whoever nice. runs out of money first. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And that's what's sad. It's like we live in the fucking United States. Like it should not be like what's that. right is right. You know it, what I mean? And that's yeah. what a lot of these yeah. people like go into court feeling. You know what I mean? And yeah. like they actually are right. And then they get fucking buried in fucking court costs. Yeah. So court costs. Oprah was so impressed with McGraw that she thanked him for her victory in the case, which ended in 1998. Soon after, she invited him to appear on her show. His appearance proved so successful that he began appearing as a weekly relationship and life strategy expert on Tuesdays starting in April 1998. Boo. In September 2002, McGraw formed Potaski productions and launched his own syndicated daily television show dr phil produced by winfrey's harpo studios dr phil is an advice show in which mcgraw tackles a different topic on each show offering advice to his guests he signed a five-year extension of his syndication deal with the show's distributors king world productions in the beginning his show had married couples on to seek marriage counseling people trying to lose weight, and other topics relevant to the show's target demographic of people who are able to watch an hour of television at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Why does anybody watch that shit? Yeah, but I mean, at least it sounds like they were actually trying to help. Ah, no, he, A little I, bit. Had, you know he, what I mean? He had, like, he had decent intentions. In no, the beginning, it starts no, off with... In the beginning. No. The, he, road, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. No, there you go. No, That's exactly no, right. I disagree. He just thought that that was the niche that he could fit into. And then he realized very quickly after that, that like I said... I don't really give a fuck about other people's marital problems that much. Now, it's not just me, but a lot of people are like, he's like, we can veer this into other things. There was never a moment, I think, in his life where he was just like, you know what? I just want to help people. Like, you have every opportunity to help people in your own private practice without putting it on national television. The paycheck is fucking better. Watch what happens next. (laughs) McGraw would sit with his guests and offer psychological advice masked in the approachable language of a life coach or high school guidance counselor. Mm Mm-hmm. As the show evolved, so did the guests. And that was the thing, too. All his little folksy witticisms and his fucking bullshit. Whole thing is, my granddad told me about a marriage. Sometimes sometimes a cat don't want to marry a dog. And that's and everybody's <laughs> like, oh, well, he's just got such simple wisdom. He's so smart. It's fucking horseshit. While the premise of the show is to give advice to troubled teens, drug addicts, and to bring attention to certain issues, it often reeks of exploitation. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always makes exploitation. Dr. Phil gives the impression that he wants to help addicts achieve sobriety. Indeed, the frequency of addicted guests' appearances on the show illustrates either McGraw's interest in the field or his interest in the ratings that such storage provide. I'm going with the latter on that. Yep. Yeah. Whether the reason, multiple guests claim that they were given drugs and alcohol by Dr. Phil employees. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Not surprising at all. Every, you're telling me that like yep. the fucking green rooms were like they had alcohol and dude, I buddy, want you to here we go. Here's, yeah, I want you to, to view every reality show through the prism that everybody that's participating is half cocked drunk because this is what they do. 
they even on regular talk shows like Letterman and shit like that, like they would give them drinks to calm them down. Well, yeah, but also like they, they would I would, have, I would take multiple drinks if I was going. Yeah, on Letterman. yeah. I mean, but I would yeah. have a couple of drinks for sure. They always had the coffee mugs. They yeah. were on set, but yeah. they were like, "Oh, that's not coffee." No, they give you, you know? drinks before you go on beforehand, which is this is again what I'm getting at here. There wasn't, and also the the concept that you can fix somebody's fucking addiction by putting them on a fucking show for an hour. Suck a dick, dude. Like addiction therapy is incredibly hard. It's intensive, and it still fails even then when it's like months long and, and in the best act- and, and the best situations exactly yeah, and he's yeah. going to pretend that oh well i really care and i want him to fix them that's the definition of exploitation right there yeah. he knows that you can't fix them he has a fucking eight years of college to prove that you can't do that shit in a 30 minute segment and he'll still fucking do it now mikey in the first segment we diagnose the problem in the second segment we, i get paid we get to the root of it and then in the third part of the program we solve it. Yeah. And that is daytime television. Yeah. Well, and also we're going to go ahead and get them geared up to admit their problems by having them partake in their problems. <laughs> it's a yeah. crock of shit. Todd Herzog, the winner of Survivor China and a recovering alcoholic, says that he was giving vodka and Xanax during the taping of his show. Xanax? Yeah. Ooh, man. Another guest, Jordan Smith, struggled with heroin addiction but was allegedly taken to LA Skid Row by show producers to find a fix. Sounds about right. Oh my gosh. They fucking like went down to like try and score heroin for them so that way they could go on the show. Yeah. She was also pregnant at the time. Jesus Christ. So yeah. show people that have been on the show accuse him of giving them Xanax, alcohol, and heroin. Heron? Yeah. Again, again, when I said every show you watch, remember, view it through the prism of the gophers will get you drugs or whatever you need to get on air and do your shit. Leah Rothman was a longtime segment director for the Dr. Phil show, and in 2015, she filed a lawsuit against McGraw for false imprisonment and emotional distress. Allegedly, McGraw called employees to the office, locked them in a guarded room, and yelled at them for leaking info to the press. While the show vehemently denied the accusations, Rothman had compelling evidence, a brief video clip of the show's archive showing the behavior in question. There was just one problem. A judge refused to let the video be entered into evidence, citing a copyright issue of the cause of the ban. Phil McGraw won the case. Now look at this. You can't submit this video into evidence because it shows me doing shady shit or my people. So, you know, no, no. One of the more famous guests on the Dr. Phil show included a 13-year-old girl named Danielle Brigoli. Oh, Jesus. On September 14th, 2006, Bergoli and her mother, Barbara Ann, were interviewed on Dr. Phil for a segment titled, I Want to Give Up My Car-Stealing, Knife-Wielding, Twerking 13-Year-Old Daughter Who Tried to Frame Me for a Crime. God. That was the title of the show. I can't even imagine. It's a mouthful, you know, but. I mean, but can you imagine the terror of having a child like that? And like, because some kids are legitimately just bad apples, right? And you're like, where did you come from, dude? I've seen it. I've seen good parents have horrible kids. I've seen it firsthand, and it's rough, dude. They appeared on the show to discuss Bergoglio's behavior, which included stealing a crew member's car while the film was... <laughs> what? Oh, yes. Almighty. Absolutely. Hey, I need some weed for the show to feel comfortable. She was trying and to steal a motherfucker's car. car. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the Bergoglio girl? Yeah. Okay. Cash me outside. That's right. When Bergoglio became irritated at the audience's laughter, she replied to them by saying, catch me outside, how about that? Jokingly challenged to them to fight them outside the studio. Her accent made the phrase sound like, cash me outside, how about debt? Yeah. Which became a meme, and Bergola became the known as the cash me outside girl. And she became be- famous. Internet became- famous Here on that. Here we go. Here we go. It seems as though Bergola got the last laugh on this one. On April 1st, 2021, six days after her 18th birthday, Bergola opened an OnlyFans account earning over $1 million in revenue in the first six hours, including over $750,000 from subscriptions, $267,000 from message payments, and $5,000 in tips. Chick made a thousand or a million dollars, a million dollars yeah. in an hour. This is this on is, April Fool's Day too. Nothing, nonetheless. And like, catch I mean, me outside. How about that? Honestly, like I'm, I'm, I'm the least one on the show to be like society is falling and then like get off my lawn things. But for real, check this out. 
This is what we've done to ourselves here. Yeah. The person that does this that stole a car, which honestly is kind of funny from Dr. Phil. I would wish that was the case. But this is, we it make these, a crew member show. We make these people celebrities, man. It's we do. Up. And that's what's sad about the society right so, now. So honestly, if you go to, uh, if you go to Pornhub and Google bad, <laughs> bad baby, which is her oh, tag no. name. All right, Randy's her, doing a little bit of research. Deep I did, research I for the, did do for some the show. Research. All in the name of the show. She's not that hot. I still she's, feel like she's underage, though, but she's not, right? Nah, she's, no, she's, she's not. Yeah. She's, yeah, uh, she's sort still. of in that. I think she's in that. And I, I'm with you. I'm with you, Randy. As soon as she turned 18, she did the OnlyFans, earned a million dollars in the first hour. If it, if it gives you if it gives you a million dollars an hour, are you fucking kidding if me? If it gives you any sense of uh, gratitude. Like, well, the know, first six hours, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah if it hours. gives you any sense of satisfaction here, like understand that by the time that she's 40, she'll be broke as fuck. No, one hundred percent. I don't There's think no she's way. making smart. And she's a rapper, and she's terrible. That what well, she her fifteen minutes of fame are worth a lot of money because that is what it is now. But cash me outside. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I that think is she's, the meme. That's what goes on. Yeah, like you absolutely. still hear that. Like Spergoli, you know. That's her. She yeah. she is. I think in the realm of Casey Anthony hotness, where you're like sort of like no, not at all. Casey Anthony is actually hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <We're going laughs> right, right. Right. Buddy has a I buddy. Still, buddy. Buddy has a hard on. Buddy has Casey a hard on. We but, know this. All right. But you Casey, saw the you saw the back knee. You saw it. Okay. All right. No. But there's okay. But cash my side girl. Is she, not hot. She's not that hot. She, she is really like is ghetto trash Anthony. hot. No, but Casey Anthony is like Mickey Mouse hot. She had that murder hot. Cash Me Outside is like ghetto trailer trash hot. That's a good way to put it. Actually, uh, I think they're both ghetto trailer trash hot. But you know, hey, they that's are. mean. She, you know. Anyway, all right, we digress. We digress. We digress. Probably my favorite guest on the show, and I know it's Mikey's favorite guest as well. Didn't last too long. On December 12, 2006, Dr. Phil invited one of the creators of Bum Fights, Ty Beeson, onto the show. That is the only episode that I like of Dr. Phil. Beeson showed up to the set, dressed just like Dr. Phil, bald cap and all, and after Dr. Phil showed a clip of the Bum Fights, he got upset and told Beeson to leave the stage. Now, and here's the thing. That dude put a lot of effort into that costume. Absolutely. He did. Absolutely. It was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah, it was now, spot on. Spot to, on. To rewind also, when I heard that bum fights had come out, I was, being a 20-year-old man, I thought that was the funniest thing I've ever heard of. Sure, yeah. Because I have, at that point, I had no sense of empathy I was a borderline sociopath as most teenagers <laughs> slash early yeah, Absolutely. Yes. And, 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 and I thought, I remember this is honestly maybe a turning point in my life when I was actually telling my dad, I was like, let's check this shit out. Because I was close to my dad. I was like, well, let's watch Bum Fights. And then we watched it and my dad was incredibly disturbed and I was too. And I was just like, this is horrible, dude. This is not great at all like this is not entertainment no it's like, not entertainment like you're i was like you're blatantly exploiting people who have all sorts of issues so like i said when we watched it i realized that he was ex- exploiting people and i felt horrible and i thought honestly at that point that this dude was a piece of shit sure and that america would see that right here just like in the same way that you saw it right now well yeah and this I, would be the end I, of them bum flies from being like hilarious to being like where i really had to check myself on what i thought was funny that's right Though the conversation was extremely brief, with Beeson saying he was doing the exact same thing Dr. Phil was doing, exploiting people, just the image of the guy dressed up as Dr. Phil is forever burned in my brain, and it's fucking glorious. I fucking fucking, love it. He had the bald cap on. He called Dr. Phil out on his own fucking game, and Dr. Phil got pissed about it. He did. They're both pieces of shit. They're They're both both pieces of shit. But at least, at least... Bump fights guy. It. He understands fights it. guy owned it and was like, yeah, "Yeah, dude, this is what we do, and this is you're doing the same thing. You just have it fucking dressed up a little prettier." This is not right. It was like thirty seconds long. Seriously, yeah, no, it goodness. was, and it was very awkward. But even that was fake. But even that, that, even was, that was fake. That's the thing that I hate about it the most is that you know that was stage. You know, Doctor Phil saw that shit beforehand and still came out onto the stage. It wasn't like yeah, he was like, I got to cut the whole show. Yeah. He could have been like, I'm not coming out there. Fuck yeah. that guy. What's he doing? He did it. And but I mean, now it lives in the Internet. Famous history. Yeah, absolutely. How many times have you listened to an episode and thought, man, I wish they would have said this. 
Well, now with our interactive social media pages, you can. Let us know what you think about our show subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you at least. Let's dive back into the action. Just like any good, scheming, sleazy doctor turned pitchman in 2003, McGraw entered the weight loss business selling shakes, energy bars, and supplements. That's like the seventh person on our show. All right. You know what I actually uh, see in my head is that Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz are on the Oprah Winfrey show in the green room fucking having some vodkas together. And they're like, hey, can we kind of cross these over together? Like cross brand this thing. Dude, well, and Dr. Oz is running for a Senate in uh, Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania now. right now. Now he's pissed off because the show is getting cut from primetime television. Yeah, and it should be, motherfucker. That's a, that's a free advertisement for your shit. Yeah, you know? exactly. He's like, hey, why are they doing it, man? God help us all. The supplements were met with swift criticism from various sources, accusing McGraw of lacking the expertise to recommend weight loss products. Facing an FTC investigation into shape-ups claims, McGraw pulled the supplements off the market in March 2004. In October 2005, several people who used McGraw's products declared an intent to file a class action lawsuit against him, claiming that although the $120 a month supplements did not stimulate weight loss, McGraw settled the suit in 2006 Ten point five million dollars. Wow, I'm surprised Jeez. it wasn't an undisclosed sum. That means he got his ass kicked. That's yeah. right. That's exactly right. In January 2008, McGraw visited pop star Britney Spears in her hospital room. Yeah, the horrible. visit by McGraw drew criticism from the Spears family and from mental health professionals. Yeah, like, hey, we've got a big celebrity in the hospital. Why don't I go interview her? Oh, dude, like, he he went so hard in the paint to try to get that interview. It was so exp- again, dude. He just exploits people. Yeah. It's not even a question anymore. Yeah, you know I'm saying like we've now honestly the biggest thing that's I've learned so far at this point is that he's like getting people drunk. That's right. That are like and alcoholics. Yeah. yeah. And but but when he did that on on the Britney Spears thing, I think that's what there where there was like a big like sea change where everybody was like, holy shit, we didn't really like this guy, but this is so blatantly obvious and painful that he's like trying to sneak into her room to get a fucking interview yeah he's going for ratings and that's, that's it right. the visit appeared to be part of an attempt at getting spears and her parents to take part in an intervention in the dr phil television show immediately after the visit mcgraw issued public statements about spears situation that spears family spokesperson lou taylor said violated their family trust in mcgraw was this the same time that like Britney's shaving her head yeah, and hitting right, the baseball right, bat, right, like yep. the window? Yeah, the story, like the pop culture story of the year, and yep. he's like trying to sneak in and, there and be like, "Well, get an interview. Well, we're gonna try to talk to her and fix her in we thirty got the, minutes. We got the exclusive again. Like he's gonna fucking fix. It's so shitty, dude. That's right. Taylor said this is another example of trust being betrayed. Today's show co-host Meredith Vieira said rather than helping the family situation. The celebrity psychologist caused additional damage. Several mental health care professionals criticized McGraw for his actions, but fellow television psychologist Joyce Brothers defended McGraw. It was reported that a psychologist filed a complaint with the California Board of Psychology alleging that McGraw had practiced psychology without a license and had violated doctor-patient privileges by discussing Spears' case with the media. True, true, and true. Wait, you mean I can't talk to everybody in the nation about he, my client's he, he, problems? He gave up his practicing psychology degree years ago. Yeah, you have to research every fucking year, too. Yeah, that's You don't exactly research, right. you actually can't. That's what I deal with. I'm dealing with it right now, end of the year. People don't have their certifications. i got to make sure they're fucking lined up. So if you're not certified, you shouldn't be treating patients. But he's treating them on TV like uh, Steve Harvey's about to be a judge. <laughs> now, wait a minute. He's treating people on TV, and he's certified. Like no, uh, no, he, he's, he's not. Certified. Certified. He gave up a certified. Yeah. What he does on TV is offer advice. Yes, yeah, uh, that's, that's the kicker. That's all that's I the do. Loophole. That's I right. Just have that's offered the loop. Advice. That's exactly right. That's the loophole. He offers yep. advice on his TV yeah. shows. I gave up all my credentials so I could offer advice on primetime TV. Yeah, it's just this what it is, dude. This is why I want to live in a cave. That's right. So going back to Doctor Phil's personal life. He was married in 1976, and his wife, Robin, are the parents of two boys. The two met at Phil's parents' house, and their first date was an airplane ride with Dr. Phil as the pilot, and he is a licensed pilot. Okay. Okay. Uh, According to Robin, the two fell in love at first sight. 
On September 12th, 1979, their first son, J. Philip McGraw, was born. She definitely threw some face on that flight. Though, dude. <laughs> There's no way it didn't happen. We're going to put this to autopilot. Maybe not their first date, but there was a certain point where, dude, what's her name again? Bobby Joe? Robbie Joe. Robbie Joe has thrown face in an airplane. Oh, 100%. Like autopilot's on yeah. and uh at least once I'm i gonna, just need i just need you to grab the stick real yeah, quick yeah this one so first son jay studied psychology in school and currently works as a writer and a producer for television in 2005 Dad. jay and dr phil co-founded stage 29 productions where jay is the ceo oh surprise surprise Shocker, right a little nepotism never hurt anybody except for everybody <laughs> <laughs> All right, my favorite. Born October 21st, 1986, Jordan McGraw is the second son of Dr. Phil and Robin. He's a musician with his latest single coming out in April of 2021. So, I dove in and nice. I listened to some of Jordan McGraw. And let me tell you, if I had a dad worth a couple hundred million dollars and wanted to be a musician... But didn't really have a lot of musical talent. This is probably what I would sound like. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, I was hoping you were like going to be like, he decided to partner up with Steven Seagal, I was and they put say, out yeah, an album. Right now. <laughs> Tales from the Crystal Cave with my boy. That's right now, it is very middle of the road. I listened to the song "Her." And Ugh, I already hate the name. Yeah, and another one called "Flexible." Both of them talked about being Gross. close to your body how hot the other person is and how the one line that stuck in my head for a while, if you're flexible, I'll clear room on my schedule. Okay. So I hope everybody that enjoys my presence on this podcast accepts the fact that in two years I will be a hermit and living in a cave because I just fucking hate humanity at this point. <laughs> and, and to top that, Jay's son was married to Playboy model Erica Dom since 2016. They have two children together. Remember the Dom triplets? I do remember the triplets vaguely. Dr. Yes. Phil's son is married to one of the Dom triplets. Gross. If you're flexible, I'll put room on my schedule. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Some I listened slant, to all of his songs with rhyme. my wife, and she was like, this is fucking hot garbage. Yeah, of like, course yes, it is. it is. Okay, I just looked up Erica Dom and... She's not really that hot. I mean, no, she's like she's your standard. Part of the Dom like, triplets. She's, the Dom she's, triplets she's, were part of the whole it's thing. The, they, because they're triplets. Yeah. Other than that, they're just cookie cutter chicks that you probably would serve you wings at, at they, Hooters. They look like Hooters waitresses. And also, that's not like everybody has their own personal opinion of what they find hot. Like that, like super tan, blonde, fake boobs is like the antithesis of hot. That's me. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, to each their own. I'm not going to judge. Yeah, and honestly, from all accounts, Dr. Phil is a good father and a grandfather to his kids and grandkids. Yeah, he's just going to pay nannies and other people in their so, record contracts. Being one of daytime TV's biggest names, what does that earn you in a year? Take a guess, guys. All right. What do you, right, what do you guess. guys think he earned? I'm going to I'm going to base it off of what I know about Rush Limbaugh's contract. Because I feel like they're equivalent. Like Rush Limbaugh was huge on radio, but which isn't as big of an audience as Dr. Phil. Or like Howard Stern or something yeah, like yeah. that. Howard yeah. Stern is like different ball yeah, that's so huge. Yeah. But I'm going to say that he's doing 25 mil a year. Okay, buddy, what do you think? All right, see, I, I was a little bit off on that. I'm going to be like a little bit more on the conservative side. I would imagine that he is on like kind of like he's like that c celebrity level status with the daytime show and but see he's also got his other companies that are kind of going for him but i'll say for all of his daytime tv stuff i'm gonna guess four million a year <laughs> in 2020 dr phil made 65.6 million dollars right his overall net worth is an estimated 460 million dollars jesus christ God. that boys is dr phil okay wow wow let's get some post show scores from you assholes all right i and i am an asshole we've talked about this with some of our fans that they're like they're, let's do a show on you guys and i'm like actually terrified uh, a shred fest on me would be very easy. <laughs> We're not going to do a shred fest no. on us because well, no, unfortunately uh, we all know too much information. Well, about and not us. only that, like, into, like nitty gritty detail. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So here's the deal for me, dude. Uh, I am, you know, this is all right. The big thing that stuck out for me was what reinforced what I already believed, but to such an extent that it makes me furious. 
like sixty-five million dollars. No, 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 not that. I mean, that's Woo! that's that sucks. It, it's crazy that he makes money. Like I said, it, it it bothers me. But that he is giving or knowingly because he knows what's happening. Uh, addicts access to the drugs of choice while he brings them on and then tries to quote fix them. That is fucked up. I already knew that he was exploiting people, but that is just like a next point. level fucked it's, up. It's not even as reckless. It's it's malignant, dude. It is That's absolutely right. Right. it is is awful. It's ratings above everything else, yeah. even the health of the yeah. person that we're bringing well, on to which the show. I, which I know, which I'm like, you can exploit people and still not be like, hey, alcoholic, I'm going to give you some booze before you come on air. So, I, all right, so I'm going to just make it quick, though. He He's getting a 7.25 from me because it's just horrible. It's just fucking horrible. And, I mean, he does what everybody, like I said, remember, when you watch reality TV, when you watch all this shit, watch it through the prism of knowing that everybody that's on there has already had a few drinks and some shit that they've been fed to make the show more entertaining. But he's doing it under the guise of it being helpful, yeah, which 100%. is which is so much worse. It's malicious. So, yes. You know, and yeah. All right. So six or excuse me, seven point two five for 7.25. Mikey. Buddy, what you got? All right. So for me, like uh, I'm also mirroring what Mikey said in this sense, you know. Unfortunately, I think he's kind of following in the steps of Alex Jones in a sense. And let me explain that. Like, I kind of feel like in the beginning he had good intentions, maybe not when he started the show, but like he went to a lot of college. He kind of had that. Like, oh, yeah. I want to be dad. I want to be, you know, like I want to fulfill dad's dream, you know, become a psychologist. And, you know, like I think he had good intentions, but then it quickly flipped in the same way that Alex Jones is like he you create this monster and you got to keep mm -hmm. on feeding it in order to support everybody that's also tied into it and unfortunately i kind of feel that's where he could have digressed and went on a different path but he was like no fuck it i'm just gonna keep on going for ratings because i gotta provide enough money for my kids yep. you know and 65 million dollars a well, year and it's, it's easy to reconcile that in your mind like, yeah on, it really is like honestly we all may do the same thing as your point because you can sort of like justify anything that you're doing and being like, well, no, this is what I'm really trying to do. But if people are telling you straight up and if you're getting sued and there, you have to really at a certain point be like, wait, 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 maybe, maybe I am doing this for my own personal gain. And he's not doing that. Yeah. Look in the mirror. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I'm looking at the mirror in the mirror. And Dr. Phil needs to look in the mirror at his penis head and decide that maybe he's doing some wrong shit. So, uh, yeah, I'm like Mikey. Uh, I originally had him at a 6.3 and, you know, I'm bumping him up to a uh, 7.5. You know, I kind of feel that he's in the Oprah umbrella of quack right. doctors. Yeah. We got Dr. Yeah. Phil. We yeah, got she's Dr. the fucking Oz. mothership of nuts, too. I'm so tired she of really her. Is, I, I call her the fairy godmother yeah. of daytime TV. She yeah. is the mothership of nuts. I'm so like, I don't understand what the draw is while people are like, let's listen to what Oprah says. I just don't get it. You get a quack, yeah. and you get a quack, yep. and and that's so much damage done. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And so, uh, yeah, end of the day, I'm giving them a seven point five as a final asshole score. Randy, what you got? All right. So honestly, exploiting people in some of the worst times of their lives, you can't capitalize on a situation like that and and try to feel good about it, right? Yeah, how do you I'm, go to bed at night thinking like, oh, well, it's a really good day's worth of work. You know, and I'm not 100% sold on the fact that they gave the show guests like Xanax and vodka. It's all hearsay, but at the same time, it's very, very believable. Sure. Well, and it happens across multiple shows. Like That's I've heard right. this, not just on Dr. Phil's, but on multiple well, shows. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that Dr. Phil's show is like the, the standard. I think right. the Xanax one blew my mind a little bit more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. I get it. You wanted to you, like, People call alcohols like social lubrication. And it's true. It is true. <laughs> Throw some Xanax on top of that yeah, shit. You're on the dude, next level. That's like some even, yeah. hate even rape hold it acceleration. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And we're going to get you on some GHP, bro. <laughs> yeah. So and honestly, then go on Dr. Phil. That's exactly right. So he has a, a super slappable face, Xanax, alcohol pumping. I'm giving the dude, my final score is a 6.8. Yeah, fair enough. All right. With a 7.25 from Mikey, a 7.5 from Buddy. And a 6.8 from Randy, Dr. Phil's final asshole score is a 7.2. Okay. All right, 7.2. He falls just above Ted Nugent. And a little bit above Lance Armstrong. A little bit above, and just below Charlie Sheen. Yeah. So and, we're talking Charlie Sheen and, and also Phil. Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> also, that's in the Jenny McCarthy. Charlie Sheen had AIDS and knowingly gave it to people. 
You know, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, it's real bad. Like, you know, hey, this is we're we're judging in the moment. So, hey, we are asshole court here. We're not let like us, humanity court right. over we're, here. Everything that we do is in like you know, it's in real time. So, you let us know what you think. Maybe we're off a little bit. Honestly, I feel like he should be a little tighter with Doctor Oz. Although, I think he should be higher than Doctor Oz. So, absolutely. We hope you guys enjoyed this show. Check us out on patreon.com slash AHC podcast to get all of our conspiracy court episodes, get all the cool shit, the swag, the stickers, the shout outs, everything that we mentioned on the episodes. Go ahead and join in the fun. Everybody that wants to be cool, you're going to join in on Patreon. We love you guys. Be kind to one another and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court. Asshole Court.